0: Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take Tech in the Right Direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Today I will be speaking with Tiffany Bova. Tiffany is the growth and innovation evangelist at Salesforce and the author of the Wall Street Journal and 800 CEO Read best-selling book, Growth IQ. Bova was recently named to Thinkers 50 Radar Class of 2019 and was Thinker of the Month in December 2018. She appeared on MSNBC and Yahoo Finance, among others, and was featured in the January 2019 issue of Rotman Management Magazine, Disruption Issue. She has also contributed to publications including Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Huffington Post, and is a frequent guest on Wharton Business Radio and a variety of industry-leading podcasts. Bova is a top influencer in customer experience, digital transformation, the future of work, and sales. And she's recently recognized as one of Inc. Magazine's 37 sales experts you need to follow on Twitter, a LinkedIn top sales expert to follow in 2019, a top 100 women in tech, a brand quarterly magazine top 50 marketing thought leader, and one of the most powerful and influential women in California, according to the National Diversity Council. Her book, Growth IQ, was one of 800 CEO Reed's top five strategy and leadership books of 2018, and the number one Salesforce Dreamforce bookseller in 2018. Having delivered over 500 keynote presentations on sales transformation and a business model innovation to 400,000 people on six continents, Bova is a highly sought-after keynote speaker. Prior to working with Salesforce, she was a Distinguished Analyst and Research Fellow at Gartner, where she won the Thought Leadership Award and earned accolades from the best leaders in the technology world for her cutting-edge analysis and her skill at inventing bold strategies for growth. Bova has also lived in the fast lane of high-tech leading sales, marketing, and customer service organizations, driving growth, and creating durable, competitive advantages for startups and Fortune 500 companies alike, such as Sprint, Inacom, Interland, and also Gateway Computers. Throughout, she learned how to lead sales and marketing teams in hotly competitive markets. She is considered one of the early pioneers of cloud-based sales strategies and completely reinvented indirect go-to-market tactics in several hardware and services businesses. Her high-velocity years at the front lines also gave Bova the hands-on experience executives crave in their strategic partners and made her an authentic, passionate, and brilliant advocate committed to her clients' success and prosperity. Welcome to the show Tiffany. I am so excited to have you on today. Oh, well thank you for having me Jennifer. It's my pleasure. Great. Let's let's just jump right in. Can you share with us and our listeners your career journey and how you got to where you are today?
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I always like to joke that everything I learned about business, I learned at the carnival and people go, what? Like, that's <laughs> random, not an MBA, not undergraduate business you know, degree. No, everything I learned was about a, was about a carnival. I worked at a, a friend, a friend of mine, my best friend's parents owned indoor arcades and outdoor carnivals. And uh, I'm born and raised in Hawaii. And so we had great weather all the time. At, but what It taught me was how to market, how to sell, how to order, supply chain, all the different literally the pile of teddy bear fur, which one's more expensive, (laughs) like crazy things like that. But I find myself leaning on everything I learned back then all the time. Um, And so I knew I had caught the business bug, especially in kind of the sales and marketing angle. And then I stumbled across technology. Uh, probably in my late 20s um, and uh, started selling technology and then kind of worked my way up. You know, I was selling myself. And then I started managing teams. And then from teams, I started running groups and divisions and was very, very early in the web. Um, it was called, you know, the World Wide Web back then, sort of 2000 mm-hmm. to 2004. Uh, and, and then uh, I got an opportunity to um, work at Gartner. So I was a research analyst for a decade. I uh, became a research fellow actually covering sales transformation and routes to market through indirect channels. And now I've been at Salesforce for four and a half years. And so uh, it's been an interesting jig-jag kind of journey. But at the end of the day, I think I'm exactly where I was supposed to be. So and I guess along the way, I wrote a book in the last couple of years. I did that <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah,
0: just just along the way. You're just yeah, amazing. just along the way. You're just so amazing, and your career journey has taken, like you said, zigzags, but really very fruitful and just where your passion is right in in business. So, I have to tell you, I really love, love, love your podcast, and it's called What's Next. Um, So, tell us more about how you decided to start it and what it's all about.
1: Well, you know, I have the pleasure of most of the time, not obviously at this moment in in our history, but I, I usually am on the road every week, giving a keynote somewhere in the world. Last year, I flew a little north of 370,000 miles. I was in six continents, gave 100 keynotes. And I am backstage a lot with these really fascinating and interesting people. And I meet a lot of executives and have really inspiring conversations. And I felt almost selfish in having them by myself. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, maybe I'll like launch a podcast. um, To have these conversations, I've been so blessed to have um, you know, all on my own, and instead have them, you know, with, with these people on a podcast. And so that's how it happened. And it was great, because when I first reached out to everybody, um, kind of in my first hit list, everyone said yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was fortunate that that was the case. And, and now it's just become um, something that is almost a masterclass for me in 25 minutes on a particular topic. And I get to ask all kinds of really interesting and uh, compelling questions. And then I've, you know, learned so much. It's changed my talk track. Uh, it's changed my perspective on things. I've learned about things I knew nothing about. I, I learned about things I don't care to know anything more about. <laughs> you know? and so, um, but, I, you know, I'm doing it on a podcast in, in front of, you know, the people that listen to it. And it's done fairly well. I think people enjoy the conversation and the format and the style and, and the guests
0: I have on. So, so I've been really fortunate very very um informative but still very exciting to listen to i listen to almost every episode of your podcast so you're doing an amazing job and i love it and and like you said you learn from every one of those uh interviews you know so much that it's so powerful um, so, I know you said along the way in your zigzag journey, you, you got into the technology field. Can you think about what that moment was that sparked you uh, to get into technology? What, what was that that said, wow, this is a field I love? I know how you connect it to business, but um, what about technology do you love and what sparked that interest?
1: Well, I can tell you that, you know, to sort of date this, um, I had my first laptop in college. So I got that in 1986, literally, Mm -hmm. and it was a dual disk drive, NEC, you know, floppy disk, word perfect, green screen, (laughs) MS-DOS,
0: with dial-up. I'm right there with you.
1: (laughs) I'm rocking and rolling. And I had a flip phone and, you know, a whole nine yards. But um, so I was never afraid of technology, and uh, a friend of mine actually had created this amazing algorithm and Boolean search capability long before the web. So this is sort of 1991, 92-ish. And because of my sales and marketing capability, he's like, hey, will you come in and just, you know, help us out? And so it didn't matter sort of what I was marketing, quote unquote, or what I was selling. And so I accidentally found myself in technology. Then I realized the, the power of all the things it could change, you know, for business, for for society, for education, for, you know, you just see this possibility. And so I fell in love with uh, being able to help companies really think differently and reimagine how they can do what they do. So I I sort of cut my teeth initially in selling into the legal profession, which was, you know, not one that was very embraceful of technology early on. Uh, But And, and I was probably one of the few women that was selling technology back then during that time. So it was, it was a great learning experience and, you know, the power of selling by an industry or vertical and knowing that industry and vertical really, really well, becoming a student of the profession of like how to sell solutions instead of point products, uh, you know, learning and being trained on multiple platforms. You know, back then it was Compaq or it was HP or it was Cisco or, you know, it wasn't, Everybody that we have today, from a cloud perspective, um, so I think I caught the bug on the art of the possible and 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 really forcing my creativity to step in, um, but knowing that sales and marketing and, and service was really where you know my superpower laid
0: that's great, um, so you know I'll be dating myself and tell you that I got my first computer back in the, at the same time you did. Uh, It was an IBM XT and it had dual drives and uh, I paid $6,000 for that computer and I took all my savings and I bought my first computer and it was just amazing because solving business problems was really my passion and when I saw that technology can solve business problems, it really got me excited. So my first business was uh, going out to video stores and sorting their video list in alphabetical order because they had they handwrote them and they were not in alphabetical order. And it was just so fun. I actually made quite a bit of money doing that for a few years initially. But just to solve that business problem for those stores was uh, really exciting to me (laughs) so that that first computer you know kind of reminded me of that story stay tuned
2: for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor are you an expert in your field are you a woman who values thought leadership we'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of tech in the right direction visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. While there, be sure to check out Directions Training's newest initiative, the WIT Cloud Power Scholarship for Azure Fundamentals Certification. This year, we have offered 100 scholarships to women for the Microsoft Azure Fundamentals training course, valued at $950 per student as an opportunity to start their pathway to becoming a Microsoft Certified Professional help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. We now rejoin our host, Jennifer Didier, with today's guest.
0: So you're a published author as well, so tell us more about your book, Growth IQ.
1: Well, that was sort of another one of those you know, accidents that happened. Um, I was watching a... Uh, Oprah Winfrey show long before her show ended. And she had had this, this one um, show that was about like listening to whispers in your life. And in this particular example, she was giving it was on the negative side, you know, like someone shows you who they are early on, it was, you know, it wasn't a positive message. But but what I took out of it was listening to those whispers that the universe is sending you. You know, sometimes they're obvious, like you should do this. Someone literally says it to you or it's, you know, all of a sudden you were thinking about something and then all, you know, an email shows up about the same topic or an article or a podcast or a movie or whatever, you know, and you're like, oh, well, maybe that's trying to tell me something. And writing the book was one of those for me where it was this little slow drum roll of this whisper of you should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book. And i don't actually enjoy the medium of writing i'm a talker not a writer and mm-hmm. so my hesitation was i had actually talked myself right into the fear of failing miserably at writing a book mm-hmm. so i always say i'm not a writer which i just said again and i and i have to stop saying it because i keep saying it because now everyone's like when are you writing your next yes, book you like, are oh my God, now. right and i'm not <laughs> yep. writing another one because i'm not a writer right i'm right back into the same mindset again um but uh that that's what happened and so i was having a conversation with a friend of mine Seth Godin who you may know who's the he's the cover quote on my book um and he and i have known each other since 2000 or 2001 we've known each other quite a long time and he was the one that was the you know it went from a whisper to a to a you know kind of a slap on the shoulder to a baseball bat to the you know to the to the entire house falling on your head like a cartoon right and so you know he was the house falling on my head he literally put his hand on my forearm and looked me dead center in the eye and he said you know he said a number of things but the ending of what he said was you need to write a book Mm -hmm. and i like walked away going okay when seth godin tells you you need to write a book you probably need to write a book so (laughs) that began the journey of uh of writing the book and i had to really find a way because i as you know you, you mentioned I uh, you first met me when I was speaking at an event for for wit and you know I speak a lot and so that's my medium of choice and so how do you get that sort of tone storytelling arc voice that people are very familiar with on paper mm-hmm. where if someone else wrote my book they would you would know it right away right because it's just not the way I speak mm-hmm. and so if and then if it was too heavily edited it would also fall flat. Like it needed to be true to who I am and how I tell stories. So I actually just stood up and each chapter gave a keynote, recorded it, transcribed it. And then that's how I began the chapter. Um, and and so it allowed me to kind of blend both of my, uh, you know, the, the sort of keynote and taking a longer form story. And then I just had a second piece of advice that was the most brilliant thing ever. It was uh um, a gentleman by the name of Peter who helped me with my proposal early on in my book when I was trying to get an agent and a publisher. And he and he also looked me dead center in the eye and he said, write the book you would want to read.
2: Mm. So
1: I have a very short attention span. I like stories to tell me what they're trying to tell me. Um, I don't like very dense, heavy um, books that are kind of complicated for me to follow the story. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't need 250 pages to tell me the same Thing that they've told me on page 50 mm-hmm. so I literally read like 75 business books and I said where are the gaps what did I like what didn't I like what stood out what didn't stand out like what really spoke to me what didn't say and I took all of that and kind of put it together in my voice um, and and told the stories that that about growth that I had been telling for some time both as an executive like how I grew the business as well as advising some of the largest tech companies in the world on how they should grow their business so um, that's sort of the long answer to a very short question.
0: No, that's great, and that's one of the whispers in my ears for many, many years, and I have to figure out how to do it, and more importantly, even what the topic is going to be, because I've got so many things in my head, and so this gives me at least a little bit of direction as to what you've done so that I can follow because I have the same ideas as, as your thought process. I have a short attention span and and want to get cut through the chase, get to what I need to get to, and move on. So very very good advice. Um, so you are really passionate about business growth, sales, marketing. Uh, what are some unconventional strategies you've used uh, that have been successful from a growth perspective? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know. It's, uh, it was the 10th path in the book uh, called unconventional strategies. And initially, when I started down the path of writing the book, I thought that was going to be I was looking for the next freemium model. Like freemium was sort of this unconventional thinking many, many years ago, mm-hmm. you know, give it away up front let them try it for 90 days or, you know, ad base, let them have it for free. And if they wanna get rid of the advertisement, they have to pay, but Mm -hmm. you get them in the door with that freemium. So I was looking across the horizon, like, okay, what's the next freemium? What do I think is gonna be something that impactful for growth? And uh, when I started working here at Salesforce, actually, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of, of our culture is around purpose over profit and kind of the business is the greatest platform for change, two statements of which our CEO says quite often, Uh, And I figured that, you know what, I'm in a very different stage in my career, and I want that unconventional strategies to be about that purpose over profit, like Mm -hmm. thinking more broadly about how can we um, just be better, you know, uh, uh, stewards of our communities, um, our employees, our customers, our broader shareholders, uh, in a way that allows us to not only make them successful, but in turn, make us successful. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. So when I think unconventional strategies, you know, I I like to say that I I feel like it's all about being uncomfortable. If we just sort of show up every day and we're comfortable with the day to day, that we're not stretching ourselves to try something that we maybe um, don't know whether it's gonna work or not. And I think that's where everybody is in a forced uncomfortable state right now. And so Mm -hmm. taking advantage of that and saying, okay, if I'm gonna be uncomfortable and lots of things are gonna fail, like let's try some stuff right because we have an opportunity you know outside of all the horrible implications that we're dealing with with covid and and the social injustice on the flip side of that it's also this huge pause from a business perspective that we may never get again and i don't mean people aren't working and i don't mean customers aren't buying and i don't mean people aren't selling i mean there's a little bit of forgiveness in the fact that you know what let's carve 20% 25% of our time and go out there and try some new things and i think being uncomfortable is part of that unconventional strategy mm-hmm.
2: and
0: so so that's how that's how I'd answer that really that's that's so true uncomfortable really gets you to grow because you know if you're comfortable you're kind of status quo you you're the same doing the same things over and over again and you always talk about stretching your confidence muscle and you know as women we we need to really build that confidence and help each other and lift each other up so that we can go in to new things or even in the technology industry jump in with both feet and portray that confidence that we need in order to succeed. So I think that's great. Um, we're in unprecedented times right now and as you know many businesses are thriving, some are struggling. Um, what is, is, are some pieces of advice that struggling businesses can do now that will help them grow? you know, once the pandemic is over. Any thoughts on that? Well,
1: you know, I I feel like this, I I, I tend not to use the term new normal. I don't like Mm -hmm. it for a lot Mm -hmm. of reasons. I don't actually like normal. That's what Mm -hmm. bothers me Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like what we left had so much opportunity for improvement. And, you know, no matter what you hear from people, um, from a digital perspective, right? Digitizing the back office as well as investing in the front office that we've seen more digital transformation in the last six months than we would seen five years previous, right? And yeah. that's because lots of people were digging their heels in to say, I don't see the return, I don't see the value, it's not the most pressing thing. And then all of a sudden, it was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I call it the next future, you know, and people sometimes will go, well, next and future means the same thing. And I go, but I'm playing on the new normal, mm-hmm. new being next, normal being future, do you know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. I, I, that, that's the, sort of the thinking behind it. Um, and I'd say that, you know, I feel like habits change in about 60 or 80 days, and so lots of buying habits have changed, business habits have changed, organizational structures have changed, and the question is how much of it will snap back, and how much of it, how much of it will stay as it is now, or how mm-hmm. much of it will fall somewhere in the middle, uh, and I think this is where companies have an opportunity to really reimagine if, if they could just, if COVID had not happened, what would they be doing?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then COVID has happened, and so what's the scenarios of if we stay locked down for six months, 12 months, or 18 months, or whatever the term you want to use, there's no vaccine, travel's not happening again, you know what I mean, like trade shows, depending on what industry you're in, um, building out scenarios uh, to understand what is the impact for you over the short and long term, and then really revisiting that on a regular basis. But I would say the very first thing I I would do is get closer to your employees during this time. Uh, as well get get closer to your customers because the t- those two constituencies uh, are the greatest um, kind of lighthouse for you to figure out what should you be doing in the future.
0: That's great advice. Um, I think, you know, this is the time to step back and, and think about your business. Like you said, what if COVID didn't happen? Uh, what would I be doing? What do I want to do? And then just start, you know, jumping in with your employees, with your customers. Love that. Um, so what are some business lessons that you've learned throughout your career? I'm sure you've had some that, that pop out in your mind that really have taught you something that you can still refer to today. Um, I, I
1: This is sort of a statement I say quite often, which is trust the process. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say that, that that is something that I didn't I intuitively trusted the process, and I'll give you an example. In my 30s, I changed jobs almost every 18 months, Mm -hmm. and I was considered a higher risk. You know, well, you just keep hopping around. Why are you hopping Mm -hmm. around? Are you a bad employee? You don't deliver. But actually, I was a high-performing seller. Like, that wasn't it. I wanted more. I wanted more challenge. I wanted more opportunity um, and things like that. And and they weren't, um, you know, whoever I was working for was not willing to give me more responsibility, or there was nothing available for me at that time. And so I would leave. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know why that was valuable for me until I landed at Gartner. And when I landed at Gartner, it was like, I was talking to channel chiefs. Oh, wow. I'd been one. I was talking to heads of sales. Oh, I'd been a seller and I'd run sales organizations. Mm-hmm. I was talking to customer service. Well, I'd run customer service organizations. I, you know, I was talking to CMOs and I'd run marketing organizations. And while they may not have been as big as the ones that I had worked at, or I didn't have their large of a remit. I still spoke their language and understood, you know, what, what I was, what they were asking. So I could give a much more relevant and, and personalized answer, if you will. And so trust the process to me is one that when you're young, you're like, whatever, like I'm, I'm in a hurry. I can't get there Mm -hmm. fast enough, you know, et cetera. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, And so in my thirties, it was about amassing more and more responsibility, control, um, title, uh, income you know all it was very you know consumption and and then in my 40s it was sort of how am I finding these new superpowers which was you know telling stories in unique ways and seeing patterns and signals that I could help businesses grow and then in my 50s it's really about you know kind of con contribution so how do I take all those things I've learned along the way and how do I sort of give it back and so I'm going to go back to the trust the process because I think um, that is something that had I learned it early on um, and the flip side of trust the process is don't sweat the small stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, those would be the two, two pieces of, and that's not really business advice, right? It's really about personal that you you have to trust your gut and, and your own instincts. And if you make a wrong decision, unless you're a surgeon and you're going to kill somebody, like it's okay. Uh, you can recover. Um, and then I would say finding, finding a place where you can, um, really have an impact, and and love what you get to do every day. I mean, I'm super blessed. I work for an amazing company. Um, I have a dream job. You know, I, I I feel like on a daily basis I get to make some level of an impact.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you know, I I feel like um, I'm in the right place.
0: That's great, and I loved that you said. You know, you are where you are supposed to be, which is really trusting the process and knowing that at this time in my life, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and not always try to rush and get to that next thing uh, when things are going well. Um, so as a woman in the male-dominated industry, we all have some challenges that we faced. What, what are some of those challenges and how have you overcome them?
1: Yeah, I, this is always a very tough question for me to answer because, you know, maybe I'm being totally naive, but I don't feel like I ever got a job because I was a woman. And then mm-hmm. I don't feel like I ever didn't get a job because I was mm-hmm. a woman. And, and so once again, I may, could be totally naive. Right. It could have happened a dozen times and I have no idea, but I never felt that way. Um, and so, you know, I, I can say that I, I definitely notice it because I get the opportunity to meet with and sell to the, you know, the executive level of sort of global 5,000 kinds of companies and even uh-huh. small and medium businesses as well,
2: uh-huh. but
1: it is definitely noticeable the lack of women that I tend, you know, I could be in a room with 15 leaders from a, from the company and there's no women in there at all. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the difficult thing for me has been getting a uh, more male dominated audience to listen, believe, and value my input.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And, you know, I can only lead the horse to water. Um, But I think what has helped me is what has been behind my name. So, you know, it was, I was an executive at these particular brands Mm -hmm. or as a Mm -hmm. research fellow at Gartner. And now I'm, you know, a a chief innovation and growth evangelist at Salesforce. Like the Salesforce Gartner, whatever brand it was, helped with that credibility versus... Mm -hmm. Tiffany Bova from Tiffany Bova's Consulting Shop, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe I'm totally misreading that. And you know, whenever I say that many people will say, oh, that's ridiculous, I think you could. And it's just, a. I, I don't really feel that it hurts me, but I definitely feel like it helps me. So, you know, I I I feel like I know that it is prevalent. I know that it's an issue because I can see just from the executive landscape, what it looks like out there but there's so many more women than I used to see, you know, I've been doing this 30 years now. So, you know, ultimately I feel like we're definitely going in the right, right direction, but you know, not as fast as we could. And I think diversity and inclusion is much broader than male and female. It's, Mm -hmm. it's beyond gender, it's race, it's religion, it's, you know, language, it's where you've come from, it's thinking styles, it's introverts, it's extroverts. It's, I mean, there's all kinds of differences. And so it's not just about being a woman
0: yeah I agree, and I think you portray so much confidence um in your uh presentation that I think that's one of the reasons why you probably didn't feel that you didn't get hired or didn't or or got hired because you were a woman because you know your material you're confident you go out there and you make it happen, and that makes a huge huge difference and I think we can all learn you know from you as to really knowing your material and portraying that with very high level of confidence. Um, So in closing, what advice would you have to give a woman, uh, our listeners um, who's considering a career in the technology industry and obviously, you know, maybe a little hesitant. uh, What advice would you give her?
1: Hmm. (laughs) So, you know, I, I think there's a couple, let me, let me, I'll just give one, but Mm -hmm. I feel like finding and aligning yourself with champions over the course of your career is really important. And, and I mean that differently than mentors. You know, I, I often get asked, Hey, would you be my mentor? And I'm always flattered by the ask, Mm -hmm. but I feel like you have to, it has to naturally happen. Like you feel a connection, you know, you sense Mm -hmm. that there's some, You know symbiotic learning to happen and you're like oh this is not and it kind of naturally happens without formally going you're my mentor you're my Mm -hmm. mentee right Mm right um and then i also feel like that champion role is someone who doesn't mentor you necessarily but knows your your worth and your uh, value and will will you know speak positively of your name when you're not in the room there's a project i think you know tiffany should do it and you know, hey, look, we're looking to fill this role. I think Tiffany, you know, and they're not a mentor, it's a champion. And those are two very different things. Uh, And so I think having a very strong network around you, people you either look up to and follow, you know, that may be a champion for you. And then if you are lucky enough to really connect with somebody where they're willing to be that mentor, um, it's really, really powerful. But uh, all of that requires you to make the effort, and sometimes that's hard for those that are introverts or don't like to ask for things and and don't have that pers- outgoing potentially personality to go and make those connections. And so, I feel like this might actually be the time for the introvert because you know the face to face seller is not out in the field anymore. Right now, it's that's all right. over the phone, and so that's it right. may work uh, you know in 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 their in their favor. So um, you know
0: that that would be sort of what I would say. That's great advice. That's great advice. Um Tiffany, it was an honor having you on my show. Uh thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm truly grateful. Um, if listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to um to get you? Uh you
1: can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm active there. You could follow me uh on Twitter. It's at Tiffany underscore Bova. And Tiffany is spelt with an I at the end. And my book, Growth IQ, my podcast is What's Next with Tiffany Bova across all the uh,
0: streaming platforms. Um, that's, that's the best way to get in touch with me. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Uh, hope to have you on a future show. Uh, in the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you, see you next week.
1: From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions Covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.